Welcome to the preaching and teaching ministry of Mary and Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Today is Mother's Day, and we will be focusing on women, and not just mothers, but all women. But the passage we're going to be looking at is about women, but the messages, or the message of the passage applies to everybody. So you men, you don't have a, you know, you can't just kick back and say, I think I'll take a nap, it doesn't apply to me. God's Word is going to apply to all of us today. I want to start by asking you a question, as I often do. If you received a message while you're sitting here in service, however you receive your message, and it said that Jesus was physically going to show up at your house this afternoon, what would you do? All kinds of thoughts come into your mind, right? Got to get home. Got to make everything perfect. Jesus is coming. I want it to be nice for him. I want to have something for him to eat. I, I what about if you're at home this afternoon after having enjoyed maybe a nice Mother Day, Mother's Day meal and Jesus just showed up at the door? Probably throw us into a tizzy. What are we going to do? We want to entertain Jesus. We want to make him comfortable. Some of you who are familiar with the Bible and the stories of the Bible say, well, I can see where pastor's going with this. That's the, that's the story we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. The story of Mary and Martha and the title of my message today is Serving and Sitting. Serving and Sitting. Let's look at the story. It's it's just a very brief one in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, talking about Jesus. And she said, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This story takes place in the middle of Jesus's ministry. He's traveling with his disciples. Even though it just talks specifically about Jesus, it does start off by saying, as they were on their way. So it's probably Jesus and possibly all of his disciples, or at least a great number of them, because from time to time he would send disciples out to accomplish a certain task or whatever. But Jesus shows up unannounced at Martha's house. She forgot to turn her phone on. She didn't get the text message. She didn't get the email. She didn't get the phone call. That was supposed to be funny. Anyway, he shows up unannounced. She lives in Bethany, a town about two miles from Jerusalem. And and they already have a relationship. This is Martha. It says the house belongs to Martha. But 
Mary, her sister, and her brother Lazarus, who isn't mentioned in this story, but you may recognize him. He's the guy that died and Jesus raised him from the dead. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they all live together. And since Martha's mentioned first and it's mentioned as being her house, she's probably the eldest of the siblings. Maybe she's a widow. That's why she has a house. Her siblings live with her. And as you read through the Gospels, you find that Jesus and his disciples often stayed here. When they would come to Jerusalem, especially during feast days, when the city's so crowded, it's hard to find a place to stay. They probably stayed with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. It says that Martha welcomed him into her house. They had a very close relationship. When you read the story of when Lazarus dies and Jesus ends up showing up afterwards and he raises him from the dead, that's in John chapter 11. It says specifically in verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, you know what? Jesus loves everybody. He's God. God loves everybody. Jesus, I'm sure, was a very loving person. We certainly, certainly see that all through his ministry. But I think it's significant that this is one of the few places where it actually states that Jesus loved someone. They were very close. So he shows up. Martha is hurrying and scurrying around to try to make this visit, however long it's going to be very, very special for her guest. Jesus in particular, but perhaps probably for everybody else that's with him. I'm sure she's fixing a meal and not just any old meal. She's not just digging out a pack of hot dogs to throw on the fire. She's probably dragging out the best of everything she has to serve and the best plates and whatever it is that they would use and you, that they would serve and try to just make everything perfect like most all of you, us, might would do. She's described as being distracted, anxious, troubled, pulled in different directions, worried, uptight, nervous, tense, took on a project way too big for herself alone, but she had been anticipating that Mary would help her, but Mary's not helping her. And we look at this story and, and we see it in this context and we've heard it before perhaps and, and we know what the lesson is to some degree anyway. We say, well, you know, yeah, Martha, you really didn't do the best thing there. But you know what? Probably most every one of us would have reacted the same way in the same situation. Wanting to do and give the best to Jesus and being really frustrated when the person who's supposed to help us is not doing it. Why wasn't Mary helping her? It describes her as sitting at the Lord's feet and listening. Now, this is saying something much more than the fact that Jesus is sitting in the house on a chair, bench, stool, whatever it might be, and Martha, I mean Mary, is sitting at his feet, basically sitting on the floor. Maybe there's not enough chairs, not enough stool. That's not what it's trying to say. That's true. But what all the readers of this gospel would have understood is that Mary has taken the place of a disciple. This was kind of a colloquial way of saying that someone was someone's disciple. They sat at their feet. Paul testifies that as he was growing up, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who was a great rabbi, a great teacher of Judaism. He was his disciple. Could have been described that Jesus' disciples sat at his feet. It was a place of honor. It was a place of respect. It was a place of openness. It was a place of I'm receptive. It was a place of pour into me. It was a place of teach me. And that's where Mary's at. But the thing that the people who originally read this would be most shocked with 
is the fact that Mary was there as a woman. Because women were not disciples. In their culture, that was too much of an important responsibility. That was only for men. So glad our culture isn't like that. But we see that Jesus himself, when you study his life, he gave much more value, significance, elevation to women than any culture of the world at that time. Sometimes Christianity is blamed or, 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 or accused of holding women back and, and all that kind of stuff. Can I tell you, it's because of Jesus Christ and Christianity throughout history. And, and, and Christianity and the church didn't always get it right. They got it wrong many times. Still do sometimes. But in general, when, it's being, when, when Christianity is being biblically correct, it has done much, to, much more to value and elevate the status of women through history than any other group person or organization. So Mary is seating, sitting at Jesus' feet as a disciple. Well, what can we learn from this story for today? I just want to talk about two different aspects. I want to talk about the value of serving and the value of sitting. Let's talk, first of all, about the value of serving. If we just read through this story very, very quickly, kind of on the surface, we might would get the impression or the conclusion that serving is really not that important. Because Martha's serving, and she is serving hard, and Mary's just sitting there, but not just sitting there as a disciple and taking in and, and, and in relationship with Jesus. You know, and, and Jesus... Mildly love, and I believe it with all my heart, it was mildly and lovingly. When he said Martha, Martha, he said, Martha, Martha. That's not what he said. He said, Martha, Martha, you just don't get it, do you? I wish you could. I love you. I want you here too. But he lovingly rebukes her for her attitude and for what she's been doing and what she's not been doing. And so it'd be very easy perhaps to say, well, maybe service, serving is not that important. But can I tell you that that is not true? And that's not the point of the story. This word for service or serving in the Greek is diakono. Diakonia. I'm sorry, I gotta get that right. The only reason I throw that out there is so you can see the correlation. That's where we get the word deacon from. And deaconess, which means one who serves, which is an official role, an official official position in our church and many churches, those of deacons and deaconesses, they are the ones who serve. They take care of the physical and financial aspects and needs of a church body and the people in it. Now, don't ask them to pay your bills. They're not going to do that. But that's what the word serve or or, or where deacon comes from. and, And it means to serve. It means to serve or to minister to a guest or to minister to a master. It also means to give help to. You see someone in need. You can help me. It means to help them. And it also came to mean in the early church to minister in spiritual things. So anything that you do for the kingdom of God, whether it's up front, in front of a preaching, teaching, whatever, or behind the scenes to benefit the kingdom of God, that is service. That is Serving. So with that understanding, I think most of us could say, you know what, wait a minute. That is important. That is important. There is value in serving. I would say to you that service is extremely important in the kingdom of God. Now, please don't think, well, Pastor Tim's turned into a heretic. He's totally opposing what God's trying to teach us. No, I'm not. I'll bring it all around, okay? But I do want to emphasize the value of serving. We see it in the example of Jesus. Jesus himself 
What did he tell his disciples why he came? Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus specifically came to earth to serve. If service wasn't important, Jesus was off track. That service was primarily to give his life on a cross and to die that our sins could be forgiven. He died in our place. But even as we look at his life, we see him serving constantly. He works hard to minister to people. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that one evening after having a very full day, the sun is setting, hundreds of people come to the house where he's staying and he ministers to them one by one. And I think the connotation is he's taking his time with them. He worked hard. One of the greatest examples of his service that's meant to teach a great lesson we won't dig into today is when he washes his disciples' feet, which was one of the lowest ways of serving someone, one of the least respected, one of the the, the nastiest, the, 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 the least desired way of serving someone. He was willing to do that to serve. So we see in the example of Jesus the value of serving. We see in the training of his disciples. As his disciples traveled around, He trained them specifically to go out and serve, to go out and preach, to go out and teach, to go out and heal, to go out and promote the kingdom of God. And he not only trained them in person, but once they got to a certain level, he actually sent them out without him. Two by two, several times he sent them out. And they came back after having serving, after having served. And that was in preparation for what they were going to do after Jesus was gone. And that leads us to the Great Commission. This is what the disciples' preparation was for, was to get them ready for the Great Commission so they could train other people to fulfill what we call the Great Commission, which is Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Jesus says, this is your number one assignment. And it still is today our number one assignment. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Fulfilling the Great Commission requires a tremendous amount of service, of serving. And then one last thing that falls under this category. If you just look at the teaching of the New Testament, the New Testament teaching is full of exhortations and encouragement and instructions on how to serve and how you should serve, especially the teaching on spiritual gifts. The Bible indicates that when we have a relationship with God, God gifts us with abilities to be used in the world and in His church to further the kingdom of God. A lot of teaching about that. Paul teaches on it in Romans and Ephesians and and in 1 Corinthians and Peter teaches on it in 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want to read... 1 Peter 4, verses 10 to 11, he says, as each has received a gift, you have a gifts, you have abilities, you have talents, you have, you can do things. And God's made you that way. And God's gifted you that way. Some you were born with, some he's given to you since, some you've developed, some's a mixture of all those things. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As stewards of God's varied grace. It says that God's grace works in and through us by serving. He goes on to say, whoever speaks 
as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, talking about the physical aspects of serving, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Here's something to think about. Serving God and people in ministry is actually talked about much more in the New Testament than spending time with God. So, what's the problem in this story? Why does Jesus lovingly rebuke Martha for serving? We'll get to that in just a moment. But before I do, I just want to take a moment to commend all the women of our church and those who are part of our church, even if you are so online, you may live far away from here, but you're part of our church. I want to commend all of the women today on Mother's Day who serve well. And we have a lot of them. Those who serve well in the home. Now, husbands and wives both have their place in the home. And let me just rant for a minute, okay? And that is that when you have a husband and wife, I know not every homes are made up that way, and so those of you that don't, just give me a minute to, to deal with this issue. But when you have a home and you have a husband and wife, God calls you to be partners. And God calls you both to work together to provide for the home, to establish the home, a home that is seeking to follow God, to raise the children in the fear and admonition of God, and to do the work of the home. And as partners, we should bear the same weight, the same burden, make the same effort. In times past, especially in Bible times, and even the early history of our own country, the way that worked out is the husband got a job outside the home. He was the primary breadwinner. He went out there. He worked hard. And the wife would take care of the home. Would, I mean, just to be cliched, would do the laundry and do the cleaning and cook the meals and take care of the kids and, and all that kind of stuff. And I know that when our culture shifted a little bit, it, there was some pushback, especially from Christians. I'm not going to get into right, wrong, whatever, about women should stay in the home. Well, it is what it is Today, most women do not just stay in the home. They're out there also. And some of it's because of economic financial reasons that most, a lot of households need both of them working to provide. A whole other topic. Do you really need all that you're trying to provide and how that all fits? But all I'm trying to say is we can't cling to that old stereotype when you have a, a, a wife and a husband who are both working for the husband to come home and say, well, wife, you're in charge of the home, so you still need to do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the laundry, all that kind of stuff. Every couple needs to find their own balance. Every couple needs to find their own division of labors. The Bible does talk about differences of roles and responsibilities between men and women and husbands and wives, but it's always very clear that they are equal. They are partners. And when it comes to the home, we need to bear and carry the same load. That was a little side sermon all the ladies like that, the men maybe didn't. Unless we got men that are doing everything and the ladies are being lazy. I don't know. Then the men are saying, yes, preach it, pastor. <laughs> yeah, ladies can't go and say, oh, I got a job too, so I'm coming home. I'm not doing nothing. Honey, you got it. Okay, so anyway, that's it for my rant. So ladies, those of you who serve well in the home, thank you so much. 
And those of you who serve well in the church, we have so many women who work so hard in aspects of ministry, both those that are up front and, 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 and you know, ministering in a way that they're seen and leadership and teaching and all that kind of stuff, and the many that serve behind the scenes when we have a meal, uh, you know, preparing for that meal and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm so thankful. Now, men, I'm going to give you a plug, okay? So if you feel kind of beat up on, here, here's your chance, okay? I just want to say I am so glad that we have a church full of men that know how to work that know how to serve God, that are in church, that know how to lead, and that know how to follow, and that know how to serve. Chances are the reason you do is because you were taught by a good woman. (laughs) Whether it was your mother, sister, your wife, whatever. But there are so many churches where the overwhelming attendance is female and the very small minority is male. And as far as the work that goes on in the church, very little is done by men. It's mostly done by women. That's not true of our church. So... I thank you men too, but today on Mother's Day, I thank you ladies for serving so well in our church. But let's get back to the story. If all this stuff is so, if serving is so important, if it has so much value, what's the problem in this story? Why did Jesus lovingly rebuke Martha for her service? Well, the thing is, is Mary's problem wasn't that she didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They had a very close relationship. Mary's problem wasn't that she didn't love Jesus. She loved Jesus. Mary's problem wasn't that she was serving Jesus for the wrong reasons, as far as we can tell. It seems to indicate that she was serving Jesus because of her love for Jesus, wanting what was best for him, and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't selfish. It wasn't like, I want him to look at me. You know, I mean, there's a little bit of that maybe in there, you know, when she was ragging on her sister. What was Mary's problem? A couple of things. Number one, she served without sitting. The problem wasn't that she served, but she served without sitting. Now, I don't mean she should sit down and wheel a chair around to serve. I'm talking about that she was so caught up in serving that she didn't do what Mary was doing and receiving from Jesus, and not just receiving, but building relationship. That's what sitting's all about. Verse 40 is where it shares what the problem was. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Distracted. She was so focused on serving that she did not focus on the one she was serving. As I was studying this, one person said it this way, she was so focused on ministry that she forgot the master. And this can be a danger for all of us. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the seed, and actually that parable is in most of the Gospels. And he talks about how the seed is God's word and is planted in the soil and hopefully it's good soil because it'll bear much fruit. But some seed falls on the hard path and the birds take it away, the devil takes it away so it doesn't bear any fruit. Some's on shallow soil, some's on, you know, that kind of stuff. But in the midst of that, he says, some of the seed falls on soil where there's also seeds of thorns and weeds and stuff and they grow up together and the thorns and the weeds choke out the seed so it doesn't bear good fruit. And the meaning being that the effectiveness of God's word in a person's life can be choked out by these thorns and these weeds. Well, what are these thorns and these weeds? Jesus tells us, Luke chapter 8, verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Can I tell you that if we are like Martha and we serve without sitting the fruitfulness of God's word and all that he wants to do in and through us will be choked. 
I'm not saying you'll be spiritually barren, but you will not have all that God wants you to have. You will not be all that God wants you to be. You will not become all that God wants you to become. The second thing that Martha did that was the problem, she prioritized service that had temporary value. That same verse, verse 40, it says she was distracted with much serving. And what did her service consist of? Well, we just have to guess. But fixing a meal, straightening things up, if Jesus had indicated he's going to spend the night preparing places for him and his disciples to sleep, which they could do themselves. I'm just speculating here. She was so focused in giving everything she had to serving, but what she was serving was a meal whose benefits are going to be gone in a short time. So this is different than serving in ministry when the benefits will last for all eternity. Made me think of you ladies, primarily, not always ladies, sometimes it's the men, that you will spend hours fixing a holiday meal. Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, New Year's, and it's eaten in 15 minutes. You ever had that? Like, why do I even do this? It's like, spend all these hours, then it's scarfed down, and then spend hours cleaning up. Don't stop. Please don't stop. But it just makes me think Martha is spending so much time and energy and effort doing all this stuff. And they're going to eat it and they're going to be hungry again. Some of those men probably within 15 minutes. Most of them anyway within hours. You know, Mary could have served something simple. Or set up a buffet. Or since Jesus and his disciples were welcome guests at her home, say, hey, you aren't guests anymore. You're family. You know where the, you know where the pantry is. Of course, she wouldn't do that to Jesus, but still, she could have been much more simple, much more, uh, just not spent so much time, and then sat with Mary at Jesus' feet. And then the third thing, she allowed her service to be a source of frustration and discord. She allowed her service to be a source of frustration and discord. She went to Jesus thinking Jesus was going to be on her side. Probably totally shocked that he wasn't. Saying, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. She is frustrated. She is angry. She is upset. Her little sister should be helping her. I would imagine before she got to this point, she had been given eyes to his sister. I know some of you know how to give eyes. I've seen you looking at your children. I know how to give eyes. We all do. Can I tell you something? When we talk about our own self, it is a real problem. And this should be a warning sign in each and every one of our lives. It is a real problem when we get critical, complaining, and judgmental in ministry. I'm not saying there isn't a place and a time for examining what's going on. Is it right? Is it wrong? But when we find ourselves getting a critical spirit, when we find ourselves complaining, when we find ourselves being judgmental about what's happening in ministry, we need to say, God, is there something that's not right in here? That's not the right attitude. So I was studying for this in the NIV application commentary. The author's last name is Bach. He says this, Think of how much more effective the church would be if we gave half the energy to assessing our own walk with God than we do to assessing the walks of others. She allowed her service. She was so focused on her sister, not thinking about maybe she was doing something wrong. 
She allowed her service to be a source of frustration and discord. So service has value. Now let's talk for a few moments about the value of sitting. The value of sitting. Now, an interesting study you can do yourself, I think I taught a Bible study on this way in time, long time ago, is if you study Mary, this Mary, there's a lot of Marys in the Bible. By the way, little trivia fact, the name Mary was the most popular female name at this time in history. In fact, Bible scholars believe, and those who study culture, that maybe as much as one-fifth of the females that were alive at this time in history in this part of the world, in their culture, was named Mary. That's why you see so many Marys in the New Testament. But this particular Mary, this particular Mary we find at Jesus' feet three times. I encourage you to go study it yourself. It's here, and she is learning, and she's receiving, she's growing in relationship. We see it when her brother Lazarus died. When Jesus shows up, she goes and throws herself at Jesus' feet. She is sorrowing, she is grieving, she's hurting, she's come for solace. And then we see it toward the end of Jesus' life because she is the woman at the end of his life. There are two women that washed Jesus' feet, but she's the one at the end that she washed Jesus' feet. So she's at his feet in service and in worship. But as we look at Mary and what she did, and actually we don't have a lot about what Mary did. She's just sitting there. She's receiving. She's in relationship. But what Jesus said about it, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So the value of sitting, the first thing is this, it's the most important thing. If you have to look at serving and sitting, sitting is more important. Serving is phenomenally important, but sitting is more important. He says one thing is necessary. That doesn't mean that this is the only thing you need to do for the rest of your life. It's a way of saying this is the most important thing. Your relationship with God is truly the most important thing. And our relationship with God is begun and nurtured by sitting. Say, what do you mean by sitting? I'll get to that a little bit later on. In this case, it was literally sitting at the feet of Jesus and paying attention to him, relating to him. So sitting is value because it's the most important thing. And the second one we talked on a little bit, it has eternal value. It has eternal value. He says it will not be taken away from her. It doesn't mean that he's just saying, you know, I'm not going to make her come serve you uh, with you. I'm not going to make her stop what she's doing. It means that what she's doing is going to benefit her not only for now and the rest of her life, but for all eternity. Let me just challenge you to do something. Examine how you spend your time. It's a good thing to do from time to time to time. We talked about examining our hearts during communion, but examine how you spend your time. And let me say this before I get to the main point, and that is that God wants us to enjoy life. He even says that in First Timothy. That's not should be that shouldn't be the primary focus is to enjoy life. And so, if we have little hobbies or whatever that we do that, that bring relaxation, enjoyment, there's nothing wrong with that. But what is it that you spend most of your time? On? What is it that you are most focused on? What is it that is of supreme importance to you? When you examine how you spend your time, ask. What difference will this make a year from now? What difference will this make 10 years from now? What difference will this make as I enter into eternity and live forever? (laughs) Some of you might say, 
well, wait a minute, you're talking about mothers. And if you look at the traditional view of motherhood, and then the fathers get, you know, cooking meals and doing laundry and cleaning the house. I clean the house. That sometimes doesn't last five minutes. That was supposed to be funny, too. You guys, make sure you're not falling asleep now, okay? So does that mean I shouldn't do all those things? Well, no, that's all part of providing a nurturing home where we can grow in relationship and serve God together. And, and so, you know, you have to do some discerning as you're evaluating these things, okay? But anyway, it has eternal value. The value of sitting, it's the means of growing in our relationship with Jesus. It's the means of growing in our relationship with Jesus. We can work hard for the Lord and not really know him well at all. If you're married or can imagine being married or were married, want to be married, I don't care. Can imagine a spouse that does a lot for you but never spends time with you. You don't have a spouse. You have a servant. Now, some of you might would like one. <laughs> but that's not the way the relationship's supposed to work. And it's not supposed to be work that way with our relationship with God. Let me go on. It's the means of learning what we need to know. In fact, if you want to be effective in service, you need to spend time sitting. You can't be at your most effectiveness in service unless you've spent time sitting. And then on a, a more personal means, it's the means of living in victory and being effective in ministering. You want to have victory in your life? You're not going to find it by being so busy working for God. You're going to find it by sitting at his feet. So what does this mean for today? And I could preach a whole another sermon and a whole series of sermons, which I won't do today. But in general, it means that we take the time to build our relationship with God. We take the time to receive from him. We take the time to learn from him. We take the time to relate to him. This is not going to shock anybody, and I mention it all the time because it's probably the most important aspect of our walk with God. We need to spend time with God every day if possible in His Word and in prayer. It's amazing to me those are the two most important things we can and should do as believers, but they're the two most neglected things because the enemy fights so hard to keep us from doing it. We need to spend time with God in prayer and the word. Find, find the right time for you. Find the right place for you to get away every day. Say, well, I don't have an hour to give. I don't, don't start with an hour. Many people use an hour. You may work up to that, but don't worry about that. Just say, you know what? I gotta get, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take five minutes. I'm going to take ten minutes. It may be that you leave the house five minutes, ten minutes early to go to work and you sit in the parking lot and do it before you walk in. You're alone. You've got that time. Start with that and grow from there. But spend time with God every day. Develop an awareness of the fact that God is with you all day long. That's not meant to be a threat. Make you feel uptight. But just that God is with you and act that way. I think that's part of what Paul means when he says pray without ceasing. As you go through the day, God's part of your life. A lot of times I'll get up in the morning or wake in the morning and say, God, Jesus, help me to walk real close with you today. What does that mean? Well, I want to walk in obedience. I want to do the right thing. I want to follow his leading. But it also means I want to be aware of your presence. I want to talk to you all day long. Now, you might want to do it in your mind or under your breath because people might think you're talking to yourself. 
Of course, nowadays, with all these Bluetooth devices, and some of you can't even see, they'll just think you're talking to somebody on the phone. Walk and talk with Jesus all through the day. Invite Him to participate in every area of your life. Can I tell you something that should just astound us? But we hear it, and it's like, oh, yeah, right. God doesn't want just servants. He wants sons and daughters. Do you realize how revolutionary that is? You look at the history of the world and the history of religions. I don't know of any other religion that actually has a God or gods where those gods don't want anything other than just servants. But our God created us and wants us to be sons and daughters. But too often we just act like servants. We see the example of Jesus, and it's one of the main themes in Luke. I've been talking about that. He worked hard. He was busy. Times that he went to rest, he couldn't because the people followed him. But he always spent time with his father. A passage we looked at about a month or two ago, it talked about that day that he ministered to everybody after a long day, you know, sunset, everybody comes. It says he got up early the next morning because that was the only time where he could spend time with his father. It was important for him to sit. I want to issue a challenge to each of us, but especially to those of you in our church that you minister in this church. Now, that should be everybody because we should all find our place. And so it does apply to everybody, but I want to issue a challenge to our elders, to our deacons, to our deaconesses, to the leaders and heads of ministry, to those who work with our children and work with our youth and Sunday school and women and men's ministry. Work hard, and you do. I see it. But make sure you're spending time sitting. I don't know whether you do or not. Make sure you're spending time sitting at Jesus' feet. Once again, I just want to pause for a moment on Mother's Day and commend the women who seek God. Those of you that are here, those of you who are watching it online, But you're not just a servant to God, to your family, to your workplace, wherever it might be. You may work very, very hard, and I commend you for that before, but I commend you for seeking God. We have great women of God in our church, in our families. They spend time with Jesus, and it shows. They live that example for their families and the people of this church. They fight the spiritual battles. I commend you. I want to especially say thank you to those of you that pray for me, not just the women, but the men too. There are so many people in this church and others that I know they pray for me, and I can tell. I can tell. Thank you. I want to say a special thank thank you to the women in my life, the mothers in my life who've had such a tremendous impact on me, and it's not just because they're good people and not just because they serve well, but because they seek God, and that includes my own mother. That includes my mother-in-law who went to be with Jesus a year and a half ago. It includes my own wife, Pastor Jan. Her example is an encouragement and challenge to me. And my daughter Misty is a mother, mothering three girls, two teenagers, one's almost there and acts like it. And she's mothering them and serving and working as a single mom. And she's seeking God. So proud of her. Thank you. Thank you. As we wrap this up, discipleship, following Jesus, 
is a balance of serving and sitting. Both are important, but we've got to make sure that we're serving in the right way, with the right purpose, with the right results, and in the right way. But there's a real problem when there's an imbalance. I like this simple thought, there's a time to serve and a time to sit. There's a time to serve and a time to sit. I like this quote. The Jamie Fawcett Brown commentary says, A church full of Marys would perhaps be as great and evil as a church full of Marthas. Both are needed, each to be the complement of the other. Can you imagine our church if nobody ever served? We wouldn't have church. I wouldn't be up here preaching. We wouldn't have a worship team. We wouldn't have greeters. We wouldn't have sound people, video people. We, but if all we have is all servers and we're not seeking God, we're in trouble too. And it doesn't mean that some are servers, some are seekers. We should both all, we should all be both. We should all be both. So the value of serving, it's important. But the value of sitting, it's imperative. The value of serving is supremely important for the kingdom of God and to accomplish God's purposes in this world in our own personal lives. But the value of sitting, it's imperative. It's necessary. You don't need to do without it. You don't need to do without it. So I wrap this up by asking you a couple questions. Is there a balance between your sitting and serving? And all these things are between you and God. There are some of you that you've served hard for years and years and now you're older. Maybe you don't have the strength and the abilities you once had. There's still ways for you to serve and you've got to talk to God about that and figure that out. But maybe you're not going to put as much time, energy, and effort into serving as you did before. But there's still something you can do. All of us can pray. And all of us can sit. I don't care what your condition is. Is there a balance between your sitting and your serving? Do you need to sit more or make it more meaningful? In other words, do you spend that time every day with God and His Word, but you just kind of zip through it and say the Lord's Prayer without really thinking? Or do you really need to work on, hey, this is about a relationship. It's not just checking this off on my list of things I need to do today to be spiritual. Or do you need to get involved in service? And if you're here and say, well, I don't know where my place is, come talk to me. Talk to one of our elders. We'll help you get plugged in. We'll help you find out where it is that God wants you to serve. And a very important question is, is there an eternal result to your sitting and serving? In other words, in your sitting and in your serving, are you doing it in such a way that it's making a difference for eternity? Not just meeting a temporary need. Is it making a difference for both you and for others? I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to end the service a little bit different today, and I'm the only one that knows how it's going to end because God gave it to me in the middle of worship, so I didn't even tell Nathaniel to just keep playing. But I believe that we need to have two times of prayer, neither very long, to conclude our service today. The first one is to apply this message. I could ask you to come to the front here, what we call the altar, which is a place of meeting with God, to make a new commitment for whatever in your life needs to happen as a result of this message. Maybe you need to serve more or better or change how you serve or figure out what you need to do to serve. Or maybe you say, "My, you know what? I'm not spending that time with God I should and I need to make a commitment to that. But you can do that right here and right now. And to be honest with you, if you come and pray about it, it's not going to make a bit of difference unless you go and do it. So whatever God may be speaking to you about, I encourage you to make that commitment, but also make a commitment to carry through. How many times have we made a commitment in a service, gone home and forgotten all about it? 
So we're going to pray about that first. But then I think we just need to pray for the women in our lives and the women in our midst. So we'll get to that in just a moment. If you're like me saying, God, I want to make sure I have a proper balance of sitting and serving in my life. I want to grow in my relationship with you. And as a result of that, I want to make a difference in my word world. I want to serve well. But I also want to know you, love you, and serve you well. If that's you, respond however you want. But I encourage you to lift your hand like I am. And we're going to pray about that right now. Jesus, we come to you. We thank you for the lesson of this story today. Thank you that you came to serve and you died on the cross. That's how you served us. You died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to serve you well in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, in school, in this church. Show us where and how you want us to serve and help us to do it well with the right attitude, with the, with the right effort and, and everything else, Lord God, for those who may be still contemplating, where is it that I need to serve? How do I need to be involved in the kingdom of God? Guide them, lead them, and help them, Lord God. And I pray that our service would make an eternal difference in our lives, in the lives of the people of our church, in the lives of the people of our community. But Father, I pray you'd help us to be better at, uh, better at sitting. Lord, this, if, if, if either one's weak, that's probably the weak one right there because the enemy fights so hard to discourage us and keep us from spending that time with you. Today, Lord, as we make whatever commitment we need to make, help us to follow through. For those perhaps who do not even know exactly how to start and how to go about it, just help them to start, Lord God. Maybe they can ask me or one of our elders or other leader or other uh, Christian that they respect and admire, how do you really get started with this spending time with Jesus thing? But Lord, help us to do it. And I pray that it be meaningful. I pray, dear Lord God, that, that we would grow and learn. And Father, I thank you for that. I pray that we as a church, as a whole, because each individual in it grows stronger and stronger and closer and closer to you because we spend time with you. God, we thank you. We praise you for it. And God, as we leave this place in a few moments, may we not forget about what we've heard today, what you've spoken to us about, and the commitments we've made, but may we live it out every day. And Lord, when we have that day when we failed, we forgot, we didn't get around to it, may we not give up. Lord, if we forget to eat today, not likely, but if we do, we're not going to stop eating from now on. May that be true spiritually, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Second time of prayer. If you're with your family, your spouse, others you're close to, would you just kind of be, you're already be together, but if you're comfortable joining hands or something like that, if you're alone, would you join with another family because they'd be glad to. I want us to pray over our women to thank God for them and to ask God's blessing on them. So I just encourage all of you to be part of a group, whether it's your family group or you've joined with somebody else, okay? And please, don't just leave me to do it. Let's all do it, okay? Heavenly Father, we come to you today on Mother's Day. And Lord, we thank you for mothers. And Lord, we thank you for the women in our lives and the women in our church. None of them are perfect. Some are doing things better than others. But Lord, I just pray right now. First of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you for my own mother. I thank you for my mother-in-law. I thank you for my wife, my daughters, my granddaughters. I thank you for the women in my life. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that they are to me. Thank you for the blessing that the women of our church are to this church. 
And God, we pray a blessing on them. Whether this Mother's Day is a time of great joy or sorrow or a mixture a pain, whatever it might be. We pray for your ministry to them, your encouragement to them, that they would sense your presence and power in their lives and help them to continue to do what you've called them to do with excellence, with energy, with power. Give them rest. Give them joy. I pray for those who are involved in serving. All of them are to some degree or another. Help them to serve well. Multiply the effectiveness of their serving. And God, I pray that it would last for eternity. God, may this be a great day as we celebrate and as we appreciate our mothers, our wives, our daughters, and the women of our life in church. As we leave this place today, Lord God, I pray we'd go forth determined to make a difference in our world. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you, and I hope the rest of your Mother Day is wonderful. Greet one another. Make sure the women in your life feel appreciated today. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.